Apricot. Good morning, RD. Good morning, Benelong. How are we? Benelong's yeah. not doing too bad considering his age, and RD's looking wonderful. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you too, Apricot. Sorry, I shouldn't leave you out. How, how are you this morning, um, Apricot? Uh, yeah, I think I'm all right. Comparatively, yeah, I'm all right. Tired, but chugging along. <laughs> well, you're going to be tired for a few couple of months, I think, aren't you? Uh, at least. <laughs> well, yeah, you are a busy. You are a busy boy, as a, as a general rule. Let, let alone when election time is coming up. Indeed. Now, I think you missed our last week's episode. Do you want to fill us in what you were up to, roughly? I was away from screens, internet and busyness for about 10 days up in uh, Cape York. I was doing some some hunting up there with a, a friend. It's been a couple of years since we've been able to get away during t- due to the, uh, the COVID down here. So a uh, little bit of a change from Melbourne temperature, hiking around with a, a, a pack in 38 degrees uh, heat as you're going around a, a sweaty, humid, uh, around a humid swamp was a, was a bit sweatier than down here, but it was a, it was a good time away. And it was, it, it was very interesting actually getting away from uh, a constant uh, dribble and, and, and stream of, of news and information. So yeah, it was a, it was a good break. You, you had me. Oops, sorry. Oh, we, were, we were we were hunting uh, pigs. Uh, so oh. look, they've got. I mean, they've got you know other things up there like uh, like scrub balls and and that. But I'm I'm not really sort of a trophy person. I'm happy to to walk around on on feet and um, and get rid of some some feral pigs from the bush. Yeah, as an ex-cop, that concerns me. Ah. Uh, <laughs> Which 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 part? I think pigs. Uh, yeah, look, I, I thought that might have been where you were going, but I thought I'm going to be polite. <laughs> no, it was good. It it it, it was good. It's uh, it's it's something that I I enjoyed. Um, yeah, and it was wow. yeah great to get into that countryside. It's it's I, I love being in that 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 real uh, that that real full on Australian bushland. I think it's a I think it's a very a very beautiful visage. Good. Yeah, it sounds like it was really fun. Yep, yep, it was. Well, we might jump into our first topic, which is K Rudd's back. Mm-hmm. Third time lucky. No. <laughs> He's been Kevin Rudd has been shortlisted as the ambassador to the US, new ambassador. Um, I don't know. What are your immediate reactions to that, Benelong? Well, I worked in the bloke's office for a couple of days. Um, it was a long couple of days, I'll give you that. But um, I think I think that he is um, a quite capable man. Like he's employed by both Harvard and Tsinghua universities in America and China, respectively. Um, he has a lot of international, um, you know, a lot of experience in international politics. Um, he was previously employed by the Department of Foreign Affairs. Um, in their embassy in Beijing. Um, he speaks for Mandarin, which could help with the um, American-China relationship. So I'm not mm. sure how far he can go into that as an ambassador. Um, and he seems to be quite a capable person. 
arrogant, but quite capable. Hmm. Yeah, well, look, I don't think arrogance really. I mean, look, let's let's face it: if you uh, excluded excluded politicians and people at that level on arrogance, you'd have a pretty small pool in many ways. Yeah, yeah. Well, well. Look, I think I think all of them. And look, really, you know, there's a certain, I suppose, there's a certain amount of arrogance you either want or expect from uh, people up that level. I, I tend to agree with you pretty much on your summation, Ben. Along, I, I think there is the question about uh, you know ex ex politicians being uh, appointed to roles like this and. I can see the argument from both sides mounted against that, but uh, for, for me, he seems a, a reasonable, a, a reasonable pick. He's he he likes a bit of limelight. He he likes a bit of ego, and arguably that's yeah, arguably that's a, a good thing to have for a roles ambassador to the 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 US. Oh yeah, I tend to think he's what uh, whilst his his primary interest appears to be himself as you know, I suppose that's fair enough. Most of us do. Uh, he does seem to have a, a a genuine wearing Australian heart on his his sleeve. So I think that's a that's positive. And I'd also like to see uh, Peter Dutton, uh, the opposition, uh, getting behind this and supporting it. I know I know Turnbull uh, Turnbull's uh, team when they were in opposed uh, Rudd. Getting the the UN Secretary General, but I think I don't know. I think this is a a bit of an opportunity for Dutton to get out there and give a bit of bipartisan support to it. See, when you first said Dutton, I thought you were talking about when he inevitably gets tossed out of Parliament and becomes an ambassador himself. And I was oh, like, you're, you're oh. jumping ahead a bit in the future there. Yeah, I, think. I was thinking that too. I was, I was shocked. <laughs> oh well, see, I might have a bit of a problem there. That, 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 that could be a personal thing again. But look, who 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 knows? And I, I make know, him ambassador to Syria. I, I was mm. I was about to say make him ambassador to somewhere where there's a little less tolerance for some of the um, uh, more refined approaches to life. <laughs> oh dear. Um, one thing that I kind of wanted to touch on with this is it like. In terms of him becoming an ambassador, being shortlisted, I broadly agree with you. He definitely is competent. You don't become prime minister twice without having some sort of professional skills in politics. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but one thing I wanted to just kind of open the, up the discussion on is Kevin Rudd's relationship with the Labour Party post-2013. Because it does seem like at times they've completely tried to distance themselves from him and try in that era. Um, particularly around like the Murdoch Royal Commission, for example. And then other times it's almost like a John Howard scene where they wheel him out for the election and be like, remember how you guys really liked this guy? Mm -hmm. um, yeah, so I kind of wanted to get your thoughts on that. What's, what, what's your, what's your, can you just flesh that out a little bit, uh, what your concern is there? So... My, I'm just wondering, in what are your thoughts on how Kevin Rudd relates to the current Labor Party, like as an entity and as a former Prime Minister and leader of that party? Um, like, is it do you reckon fairly friendly amongst them, um, or is there like that barrier between him and the current government now? In a sense, do you know what I mean? Yeah. Okay. I, I, I got, look, I, I think, I think externally, he knows how to play the the game. Uh, I think too, you don't get 
on a list like this unless you either have still got a few friends in there or have sat down and smiled at each other through through gritted teeth because you're both getting something out of it. My, my opinion, and it's opinion only, would be that if uh, the power brokers in, in Labor didn't see some advantage for them in getting Rudd over as ambassador, uh, I don't think it would have it would have been mooted. Now, admittedly, he's only sh he's arguably only shortlisted at this point, but uh, certainly the way that it's being played is it's almost as good as done. But uh, and that's the assumption we're probably working on here. Look, I think externally, he seems to be uh, yeah s s smiling and shaking hands and in, in lockstep with with Labor, but. I don't know about behind the scenes because I don't know that we're going to be getting a, an, an honest, um, uh, an honest appraisal from either side. Yeah, well, they don't really. Seem to have, they don't really seem to have a lot of former prime ministers left. You know, Goff's gone and Bob's oh. gone. And, um, Paul Keating is he gone or not? No, he's still there. Um, he's still okay. there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's still there, but they might wish that he was gone at this point, considering some of the things he's been saying. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was going to say the clock is ticking on Keating, and I thought, well, that's not the right pun. <laughs> no, no, no. Well, anyway, um, no, well, I think yeah, Kevin Rudd's main argument with the um, Labor Party was that he tried to bring in evidence-based policy, so um, which worked quite well in business. So the theories that he had and the... Um, applications that he had as Chief of Staff for Wayne Goss um, were put into a book by two of his senior colleagues and they are now required reading at a lot of policy university um, level subjects um, in degrees and yeah. in master's degrees. So um, the, Australian uh, the Australian Policy Handbook is the book that I'm referring to. Um, about half the universities in Australia have it as required reading in policy subjects and politics subjects and business subjects so his policy ideas were fantastic except um labor like lmp and most other parties prefer ideology over evidence so and i think that's what got him shafted as prime minister in the first place the first time and then they realized well maybe it wasn't so bad we'll bring him back and um and at least he had the decency when Labor didn't get re-elected to retire from politics. Um, I wish some other former prime ministers, mm. especially the current one, would do that. Um, not the current prime minister, but the um, the most previous prime minister would do the same. Turnbull did the same. Um, Abbott didn't have much choice. <laughs> so, <Yep>. um, <laughs> but um, yeah, a lot of um, the former prime ministers have just um, done the same, done the right thing, and they resigned. Anna Bly did the same thing when she lost the Queensland election. She resigned and they had a by-election. So um, I hate these people that um, get sacked from five secret ministries in the prime ministership, um, nobody in particular, um, and <laughs> sort of sit there and in parliament still taking the money. Us. Um, now, do you at think least you have the decency to resign. Do you think, uh, and probably this is a question for, for both of you, and I'd be curious on you, particularly Apricot, do you think they would have been making this appointment in uh, in an election year? No. Right. No, I, I, I got the, I got the, yeah, okay. Now, now why? I, I got the feeling that might be what your <laughs> answer would be, but yeah, just, just elaborate on that. 
Because they just didn't want to remind any voters of the previous, like, Labor government really at all. You know, they weren't hyping up any of their achievements that they did through 20, 2007 and 2013 for a reason. Mm-hmm. Um bringing and making this appointment or even shortlisting him at that point would have just opened the door to being like, oh yeah, you're gonna get you're gonna get Kevin Rudd back. Remember how he couldn't run a government for crap? Mm. Um and yeah, it wouldn't have gone well for them, I think. It doesn't fit in with their small target strategy of the election. Hmm. Yep. Yeah, I think now's pretty much the right time to do it. Um yeah um I'm not sure who the current prime uh, current um just current prime minister. Um, I'm not sure who the current ambassador is, but I remember Joe Hockey being over there and not even getting invited to the presidential inauguration. I think that was in Trump. Um, yeah, I talked before about ex-politicians getting um, assigned as um, ambassadors. Um, I agree with him on that. Hockey was a bad choice. He failed as a politician. And then they said, oh, well, let's give you a more senior position with more money. So, mm-hmm. I I believe the ambassador at the moment is Arthur Senator Dinos, but he's looking to retire. So. Oh, Senator Dinos. Okay. Okay. Uh, so it's it's yeah. it's really it, it really is just on a uh, uh, you know, unless they get uh sacked uh it, it it really does come down to when somebody's due to due to retire so i, I suppose too, you can also uh, they would be savvy enough to know that the time to do it is uh a time like now rather than in an in an election year you know i mean they've still got to be thinking about their next job don't they yeah oh dear oh on this note, we might start moving into our next subject, um, which I'm a little worried that's actually going to be a bit boring for people because it's a similar story we've had a few times now over the last couple of months, uh, which is Victorian Liberals not having a great time. <laughs> uh, Matthew Guy, the leader of the Victorian Liberal Party, has now distanced himself from the Victorian Liberal Party and himself um, over recent... Uh, what's the word, over a recent bombshell, I guess, that the party's lawyer has resigned, citing that they haven't listened to her regarding legal advice and that she's concerned about what they're currently doing. So, sorry, um, just give me... Just, what you just, just, just go... You, you, he's, he's distancing himself now, is he, Matthew Guy? Yes, yes. He's like, guys, I'm just the party leader. Like, I don't do much stuff in headquarters. It's, it's fine. Don't, like, it's... Hasn't got anything to deal with to do with me. Oh, oh that's that, okay. That was a neat when I was uh, you know, catching up on a, a few things, a few things here. I I hadn't uh, hadn't read that bit there that he was he was throwing that out there. Oh, that's that. That's not that's not good. I oh, look. I was going to. Uh, uh, the, the, we're, yeah. So we're talking about the uh, the, the lawyer uh, Chandra Lloyd. And uh, essentially, her beef that she's having on this particular point with uh, Sam McQuiston. I was going to uh, make the point that uh, he there was there was an article in the Age, October eleven. Liberals' top lawyer quits over party's legally risky decisions by Paul Sakal. Uh, in that. McQuiston had made the comment that professional differences are not unusual in a campaign. The Liberal Party takes its responsibilities under all 
relevant legislation seriously and acts accordingly, he said. I was going to make the point that uh, it's actually a reasonable thing to say. Uh, you could view Chandra Lloyd as a disgruntled employee, and you probably know either from, from personal or indirect experience that disgruntled employees often have a different view of a situation. So I wasn't actually going to jump on his bandwagon because I, I you know, from past discussions, I, I'm not a fan of the, uh, the Victorian libs anyway. However, I did want to point out that that is a reason that would be that's a reasonable counterpoint it's not necessarily just all one side mm. what are your thoughts been along well you know um like the comment says in the um, thread you know the victorian liberals are just the party that keep on giving um <laughs> so um if the man doesn't want to be premier why is he staying on as a liberal leader I really don't understand this. Um, yeah, I'll restate my previous statement. Um, you know that if he wins, um, I'll run naked around the MCG during a test match. But um, at this stage, you know, I'd, I'd actually like prefer to see the Greens in opposition rather than the Libs. I mean, they just really don't have anything. Nothing against the Greens, eh? not of course. <laughs> Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. But I mean, that is well, that is an interest. That is an interesting point with uh, that, that getting out there and that that distancing distancing him, himself in in there. It's uh, it seems to be protecting his own skin rather than sort of taking a strong leadership role. And unfortunately, that's the whole thing. That's just been bloody absent from this this whole thing. You look at it and you think, if you don't like Daniel Andrews, as I don't. You look at the alternative, Matthew Guy, and you think, "Oh, sweet mother of God, that's even that's even worse." There's just nothing you can get your teeth into. Mm. Yeah, why be leader of a party if you want to distance yourself from them? I, I really don't understand the mindset there. Yep, and I... surely now's the time too to say, "Look, stuff it. We're obviously not going to win. Let's let's throw forward some principles. Let's throw out some difficult ideas. Let's just really give it a, a, a red hot go and see what happens." Except now it's just playing. It's, it's playing it safe. It's playing it weaselly. It's it's just so poorly done, in in my opinion. Think about what you did yeah. then, Ardi. You said liberals and principles in one sentence. Ha. <laughs> Another thing that I think, <clears throat> just this is quite anecdotal, um, but the local Liberal candidate for my area, um, who's who's a councillor as well, a local councillor, has sent out um, their flyers. So it's the first sign of them campaigning in this area. They sent out a flyer, um, you know, something about childcare and whatnot. Mm. Uh, but on the back of it, it lists uh, the candidate's achievements as a local councillor, you know, like, like I'm passionate about the community. I'd be a great candidate if elected um, because of my achievements, which are X and Y. Literally, they listed their achievements as X and Y. They're not even proofreading their materials before it goes out. Oh, no, God. Look, that just cut. Look, you understand mistakes happen, but I mean, that. 
I'm shaking my head here because I, each each time this topic comes up, I saw it. And I thought, oh, okay, we've we've got the the Vic Libs again, and like I said, we've we've given them a bit of a, a hammering, but every single time they deserve to be hammered. I don't think I've disagreed. Yeah, I'm not a, not a Libs person, but I don't think I've disagreed with you once on them coming up because it's always another thing. Yeah, it's, look, I will that uh, Ben along uh, mentioned the uh, that, that comment, and that comment was from in the the chat was from Gray Warden one three three who had said Vic Liberal Party is never old news. The gift that gives on keeps on giving or gives on giving. We've also got a comment there from uh, Perth Crossfitter who says my concern with the Vic Libs is that you could end up giving the Vic ALP a situation like in WA where the enormous majority has been negative for the state. Well, that's an interesting comment. I suppose, but it also isn't, no offence, Perth, um, it's not going to be borne out in reality because, like, the ALP will not get a majority in the upper house. Even if they had a supermajority in the lower house, it's kind of moot when we think of the lottery system that is the Victorian Legislative Council. Hmm. Uh, I, I, okay, so you're, you're saying it as a, a there's just a, a fundamental difference in structure. Is that is that what you're saying? Uh, yes, in the sense that so it's actually quite interesting because the yeah, WA yeah. Legislative Council also used group voting tickets for the last election, and uh, McGowan did get a majority there, but they they only as far as I'm aware just got that majority like it was a little bit touch and go there even with his overwhelming poll numbers um i still expect uh the victorian liberals to get at least 20% of the vote right. um i don't know if they could still be it that's a damning sentence right the main opposition party <laughs> oh you should get at least 20% yeah. um <laughs> or Dutton's only got 17% <laughs> Oh, God. Yeah, no, I was curious. Um, I know we I sometimes, it's, and I, I don't mind the, the little sort of side segue because you understand a lot of the um, the, the mechanics of this. Uh, just, the, the, is there, there's a different, when you said the uh, the lottery of the Victorian upper, upper house versus, versus w, WA, just you know, for, for people like me who need to understand that a bit more, can you just uh, explain that in a, in a little bit more detail, please? Yeah, sure. So it mainly comes down to group voting tickets, which uh, both WA and Victoria uh, have used recently. Victoria still has them. WA has now abolished them. Um, it's kind of a real disappointment that Victoria hasn't abolished them. But what it means is when you vote, in the upper house above the line, um, whichever party you put a one next to, it follows what's called their group voting ticket. And so your vote can go to a party that you never really intended to in the first place. Um, and it can have really dire consequences. There's, in Victoria, there's a well-known preference whisperer, um, Glenn Jury, who basically works with the minor parties to try and coalesce um, a voting uh, block between these group voting tickets uses some fancy mathematics to try and get someone elected who arguably should not have been elected. Mm. Um, it's it's a situation where, so you take, um, I believe it was South East Metro, where the Greens got something, no, sorry, it was South Metro, 
uh, where the Greens got, I think, 14% of the vote, so about 2% short of getting a quota and getting an MP elected straight off preferences. Sorry, uh, straight off the primary vote. But because of these compl- complex dealings, um, the Sustainable Australia Party won instead, and they got a they had a primary vote of about 1%. So uh, it really party. elevates. Yeah, yeah. Um, it also recently happened in WA where the Daylight Savings Party got elected with a primary of, like, 98 votes. Um, it's, yeah, kind of ridiculous. And especially when you consider that Glen Jury does charge a fee for his services, it's $50,000 to get elected. And, yeah, the idea that parties can just pay that and get elected is kind of bizarre. Oh, that's, uh, that's not particularly high in some if you look at it from some levels? No, no, it is not. Um, But yeah, so, but that system and that kind of lottery system with the complex flows would really hurt the ALP's chances of getting a majority in the upper house. Right. Okay, look, thanks for that. It's always good to get get that bit of detail. Not all of us uh, understand all uh, all those little ins and outs. Yeah, interestingly, uh, when I was with the Australian Democrats, we actually approached um, Glenn Dury and asked him about um, giving us some assistance getting elected, and um, he declined. Oh, uh, oh my! Yeah. So did, did he, did, uh, I'm also going to have on... to talk to you later, Ben, along about the when I was in. <laughs> yeah, we're one hour Sorry. twenty years behind here in Queensland. I got mixed up last week. Oh dear! <laughs> Out of interest, uh, what, did well, he decline on uh, ideological reasons, or did he have a, a more profitable offer, or, or did he not go into details? Just didn't go into details. So he was approached, and um, he just sort of said um, he was rather busy with other parties. So um, I think the Australian Democrats mm. have had their day, basically. So I resigned from the party and um, I've gone over to Sustainable Australia. I think, I know you um, mentioned them earlier, Apricot, but um, yeah, I think um, they sort of uphold the principles that the Democrats used to have more than what the Democrats actually do. Well, that's very interesting. I might have to uh, quiz you about that later on. Yeah, go for your life. Oh, dear. Um, Well, speaking of minor parties, Democrats, Sustainable Australia, analogous to the Greens, we might move on into one of our final subjects, which is uh, devil's lettuce. The Greens are pushing for legalised cannabis and to be uh, be taxed at the same rate of alcohol of about 30%. 30? Thoughts? I think it's a lot higher than that. Alcohol, it's around about 70%, isn't it? Tax wise, no, I believe it's about thirty yeah, percent. It would put it on the high. same baseline. Yeah. Jesus, the breweries are making a fortune. Then it's about ten dollars a pint. <laughs> you've got to pay for the water. Mm. But so, this kind of, in my view, signifies another push to legalize cannabis in Australia. Um, we've seen it legalized, you know, uh, in parts of the US and around the world. Um, I do believe a referendum on legalising it actually just failed in New Zealand not that long ago. 
doing so I guess I just want a broader conversation as a do you think cannabis should be legalized? And B, do you think it will get legalized? Um, I think it should be legalized. And I'm speaking as an ex cop and as an individual as well. I think it should be legalized. Um legal system just wastes too much time arresting dealers and smokers and um, you know, the only people who get rich out of it are the lawyers, the judges, the law clerks and things like that. <sighs> I've got no idea of the percentage, it's a very high percentage of the court's time is um, dealt with dealing with drug dealers and um, drug users. And I really don't see how that benefits anybody in any great particular. Um, when I was a cop, um, the general rule was, um, you know, if somebody's smoking a bit of grass, just leave them alone unless they've done something else and you got can't get them on that, basically. So, um, yeah, I've... I reckon legalise it. I don't really see... Um, it doesn't really do much for me. I tried it back in my university days and it didn't really do much for me. Like, I can't see the point in sitting there getting stoned in 10 minutes and that when you can have a good session on the, at the pub and, you know, slowly get pissed off your head and, you know, talk bullshit and, instead of having to hide in a back room. So it's never really done much for me. I don't use it myself. But, yeah, each to their own. If people want to use it, then let them use it, for God's sake. And, you know, free the courts up for the serious matters like the child molesters and murderers and the LMP. <laughs> what about you, I think? Well, I'll probably take a different uh, thing. I'm probably more in favour of the death penalty for uh, people possessing... Oh, kidding. No, I'm kidding. Um, I think this is... <laughs> <laughs> that was just to get your attention. Uh, look, I, th I think this is... Looks... probably agree with you on a death oh, for anything. I know there was possibly somebody who's picking up thinking, finally, somebody. Uh, as you said, we'll get into the... We'll get into the weeds, God. We'll get into the details uh, <laughs> of it after we give our opinions on it. As a, gen as a general overview... It's long, it's long overdue. Uh, this model seems to be working elsewhere in the the, the world. Uh, I put it up there as you know, and essentially as as uh, uh, yeah, it's not harmless. There's there's definitely not that. There's definitely uh, that's definitely not true. Uh, in my opinion, it's less harmless. It, it's less harmful than alcohol. However, in terms of the whole. Yeah, range of things that adults uh, put into their their bodies, it's just as good or just as bad as any other one. So, as my my overall opinion on it is that I definitely think it should be uh, legalized, not just decriminalized, but actually actually legalized. So, I think this is a a good start. We'll we'll get into a couple of details on the um, what the Greens are proposing, but that's my first overview. What about you, Apricot? Yeah, mine, unfortunately, we're not going to have any, you know, devil's advocate here. My opinion's broadly the same as yours. It's really not worth the justice system's time. It's like, as a society, we accept a number of things that cause harm already. You know, like when you think about it, really driving has an innate amount of risk to it. Um, yep. And yet that's perfectly accepted. Same with alcohol, things like that, you know, prescription medications. Just, just legalize it. It's really, <laughs> yeah. That that's really just it for me. Um, yeah. Look, I tend to agree. Will it? Yeah. Sorry. 
will the Greens legislation pass? You know, should after the election? Probably not. Um, if if they even you know put it up, um, I I do feel like that the public is shifting though. Like it it is going to happen. I would say easily within the next decade, if not the next five years. Yeah, look, I'd agree with that. What just to clarify, why did you put that qualifier on if they put it up? Oh well, because we're currently in an election, and after an election, who knows what happens? Oh, as in, uh, uh, right? Okay, fair, fair enough. On with it. Yeah, it's one thing to have like an election commitment. Yep. Say, so, hey, we will, you know, legalize weed. Um, it's another once everyone sits down and Andrews is elected for his third term or whatever to put that draft bill together and put it into Parliament, which I believe they have actually done before. So they might just you know, dust that bill off and be like, hey, remember this? Because mm. that was one of the things I had down on my notes, that uh, it was it was a good election issue and using the Victorian election will be a good test for uh, the uh, potentially legalising it on a, on a federal level. Now, I, I don't pretend to understand what the not quite a loophole, but what's allowed in the Constitution, and, and I don't remember the name of the Greens person who has examined the constitution and said we could actually get uh get marijuana legalized federally because it still fits in with it but uh my point on that one and you might know the answer to that apricot who that was but my point is that i think this is a good test ground in the victorian election to see how this might fly in the in the federal election they could potentially be on a big a big winner here because there's it's it's a real uh very much an open no holds bar listen we fully support it we're not qualifying our support uh we want it legalized and we want to get a bit back in taxes there's no really uh prevaricating about the greens position on the dope mm-hmm. uh and the answer to your question about who it was was david shoebridge by the way <laughs> senator for yeah. new south wales there we go. Um, and, but yeah, no, I agree. And when you really kind of examine their plan, it's not exactly, you know, like a revolutionary plan to begin with. Um, you know, it's decriminalize personal drug use, uh, legalize tax and regulate cannabis um, to basically cut off the needs of the black market, um, fund 200 or so detox and rehab beds, including in regional Victoria. Um, and expand and fund opioid replacement therapy to like treat addiction and do some mobile pill testing. Makes a lot of like, sense. Yeah, it's one of well, there's the I forget the exact line, but I heard it a while ago, and it might have been from New South Wales because uh, I know I know the New South Wales politicians um, have quite. Um, done a lot of work on uh, drug law reform. Uh, but it's we need to start approaching drug use as a health issue rather than a criminal issue because clearly treating it as a criminal issue is not having an effect. Well, look, that's right. So, and there's there was a com- we've got a comment in here from in the chat from J.R. Pickles saying if it is legalised, I think you would find there would be less health problems. It would be more natural and not chemical-induced, which is the problem. And that also goes hand in hand with what you were saying, Apricot, about the uh, the black market. 
if you have it out in the open, you can have regulation, you can have uh, standards that people actually know rather than God knows what in it. I'm not saying that government regulations make things perfect, but uh, on something like <laughs> this, <laughs> something like this, which you're con consuming, like you you look at your can of beer, it's it's four point three percent or three point one or whatever, and you've got a very good idea of the ingredients. If you're you know grabbing a, I don't even know what it's sold in now. It's been decades since I used to smoke the stuff, but yeah, if you, whatever quantity you're getting it in now, it doesn't exactly come with a contents label on it. So I think that that pick that J.R. Pickles point and your thing about the black market is a very important health issue. Mm -hmm. Definitely. Um, well, before we wrap up for today, I do just want to segue into a little bonus topic. Uh, sorry, guys, for not being able to prepare you. It is fairly recent news, uh, which is about Jamie Parker, uh, who's the Balmain Greens MP in New South Wales. He's come out recently and said that he will not be recontesting the New South Wales election. He will be retiring. Um, this is actually really interesting. And it actually might be one of the key things to watch next year in the New South Wales election. Um, because he's held that seat for about 12 years. And this will be the first time that a Greens MP has resigned having a casual vacancy at a general election. Um, so like we, we, we've never seen this really in terms of the Greens before, and we don't know how much personal vote he has. Um, and it kind of puts the seat, you know, back into a possible, a possible gain for Labor. So yeah, I just kind of wanted to highlight that and get your thoughts. What are the polls in that looking like? What's the, what's the, what's the speculation scuttlebug? So I haven't seen much polling uh, for New South Wales, but a lot of it seems to talk about minority governments. But that's probably brought part of a broader conversation that I'm seeing in terms of polling, where it's a lot of poll. I feel like a lot of news outlets really would actually like a minority government because it's interesting to cover, and so they like to hype up that. Mm. So, but I don't know. Um, I think. Just looking ahead into next year, I think the Liberal government in New South Wales will probably struggle to hang on, um, which, if that is the case, that would make Tasmania the only uh, Liberal government in the country. Well, look, it's going to be... and uh, You, you, you uh, again, uh, Ben along, you sort of know a little bit more the, the the machinations and things being closely involved, but it seems to me that whilst you can't, you know, draw a line from only one point... We've seen uh, a number of these these seats in the changing political climate give us a bit of a, an idea of how people are actually feeling. So I take your point about what level of 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 um of, of actual personal attraction he has there versus the attraction of the party. So whilst I don't know anything about this person or the seat, the question you asked about what it might uh, might indicate, I think it's going to be interesting to see whether another green gets in there just as comfortably. And I think that will be a, uh, that will be a fairly reasonable indication of of people's feelings towards the the party and the changes that we've seen coming through in this uh, the federal election and what seems to be happening in the Victorian election. Mm. Yeah, well, today I've heard there's a politician called Jamie Parker. Um, I've never heard of him. Sorry. 
<laughs> That's fine. I've heard of um, greens. <laughs> but but how just from your from your point of view, uh Ben along, what did you when like when you were involved with the uh the, the Democrats, how did you resolve if at all, this might not have been an issue for you, but how did you uh, re- resolve trying to get the the party versus personal uh, a- a- appeal? How did you try and get that in balance? Um, when, well, when the government first brought in that 1,500 membership um, application thing, um, we achieved the 1,500 um, quite comfortably, uh, as it turned out. But um, those... On the national executive, there were a number of them wanted to actually go after the personalities. We contacted Cheryl Kernow, we contacted, um, um, what's his name, Rex Patrick. I've forgotten his name, so poor old Rex, easily forgotten. Um, so we contacted Rex Patrick, he declined. Um, we contacted a few other people in um, you know, Independence and um, a disgruntled national, Darren Chester, we contacted him. Um, they all sort of declined. So the Democrats did go after the personal um, personal popularity type thing as compared to their policy, which I think was a mistake, um, one of the reasons why I left, actually. Um, you know, um, there were others that were television personalities in that that um, had previously stood as candidates. Um, yeah, I, I think there is um, the sort of... The thing there that um, if you can get people to convert over, um, yeah, fair enough. But by the same token, when Cheryl left and went to the um, when Cheryl Kernow left and went to the Labor, the Democrats were all about traitorous and all this sort of thing. You know that it was a bad thing to do, um, and then they try to do exactly the same thing: get people to leave their parties or leave their independence and. Um, you know, come on board. So there was a little bit of hypocrisy there, I felt. So yeah. um, if somebody's involved in the party, like um, James Matheson was involved in the party and he expressed um, an interest in running a couple of years ago, back in 2019, um, and for personal reasons, he didn't want to run at the 2022 one. Um, so, yeah, that's fair enough. But to go recruiting people and, um, you know, as the Democrats did, um, yeah, I just felt that wasn't the right thing to do, especially after criticising Cheryl so badly. And Cheryl's a hell of a nice person. I talked to her on occasion. And, um, you know, she considered coming back to the Democrats, but um, she preferred to sort of stay where she is now um, as a sort of independent commentator on Twitter. And she does quite well at that. Um yeah, especially after criticising Cheryl for what she did, relieving the Democrats, and then trying to get other people to leave their parties, I just thought it was a little bit hypocritical. I think a party should... Um, every senator, Lynn Allison, Andrew Bartlett, every single senator um, was a nobody before they got elected to be a senator and they made their name as senators. And I think a party should be able to go on their policies, on their platform, on their history, rather than, you know, just trying to use personalities to get themselves into Parliament for the sake of being in Parliament. Um, okay, I've rambled on long enough. Apricot, your turn to ramble on. <laughs> well, alas, I'm not going to ramble too much. 
Instead, what I'm going to suggest is that we perhaps read out some of the comments and then start to wrap up. Yeah, okay. we've had, we've uh, got a, another couple of comments in here. We've got uh, man with a dominant claw, Jamie Parker's vocally anti-corruption and privatisation, lobbied for stronger whistleblowing protection for the federal ICAC. Will be ashamed to see him go. Okay, well there you go, Ben. Along let someone who is uh, for familiar with uh, w with him, uh, unlike you and me. Uh, <laughs> uh, the the comment to uh, there was a reply by Church of Baby Yoda in reply to the the health comment from J.R. Pickles. The main problem with that is there's a whole list of things you can't or shouldn't do whilst high, driving a car operating machinery, playing sports, working at work or school. I'm puzzles, puzzled as to why no one has ever expressed this this viewpoint. Look, I, I think people do express that viewpoint. I'd take a little bit of issue with that Church of Baby Yoda. I think the driving is one, and we won't get too, uh, too bogged down in it, but uh, driving is an issue that I'd like to see re refined, the testing process refined uh, for this for this legislation in there as as it stands at the moment it's it, it's a blunt instrument that doesn't give an accurate reading if it was as accurate as say the 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 rbt the blow in the bag that would be different but at the moment the fact that people can test long after they're affected i think is a an issue but but nonetheless uh, i understand the the point that's making making there their health issues is a two-sided uh coin so yeah Understand what you're saying, J.R. Pickles, I and I understand what you're saying, Church of Baby Yoda. They're, they're reasonable sides. I think we should add social mm. media to that list of Church of Baby Yoda. So people should not use social media when they're ah. high. I'm an avid user, and I'll tell you what, some of them, or when they're drunk for that matter. So, oh, yes. But having <laughs> said that, I have added post apologies on Facebook before. I apologise for anything I said last night on Facebook. So. <laughs> <laughs> okay. But that wraps up the uh, the comments on that side, Apricot. Thank you very much. Stay tuned next week, everybody, because we'll be kicking off our first episode of the campaign check-in for the Victorian election. Yeah. Um, yeah, Adi, I hope to see you there. You guys have a great day. Okay, Thank you very much, Apricot. Got... See you, Benelong. Bye.